This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to Green Pulse, a podcast series by The Straits Times where we analyse the beats of the changing environment, from biodiversity conservation to climate change. I'm your host Audrey Tan and I cover science and environment for The Straits Times. My co-host is David Fogarty. Hi, I'm David and I'm the climate change editor at The Straits Times. We're discussing carbon dioxide removal. This is becoming an increasingly important tool to fight climate change. And already there are machines that can suck CO2 out of the air. But the technology is still new, expensive, and needs to be urgently scaled up. With us today to talk about some of the CO2 removal technology is Dr. Oliver Gedin, Senior Fellow at the German Institute for International and Security Affairs and a lead author for the UN's top climate science body, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, or IPCC. Welcome to the show, Oliver. Thank you for inviting me. I'm delighted to be here. So, Oliver, could you tell us a bit more about what carbon dioxide removal means and why is it becoming so important? So, carbon dioxide removal means any activity, but it has to be an anthropogenic activity, that removes CO2 from the atmosphere and also stores it durably. And that can be in soils and vegetations, like in tree, geological formations, maybe even in the ocean, or even in products if the CO2 is stored for a very long time. And it becomes important because around the world, we have governments that have set so-called net zero emissions target to stop global warming. And if you have a net zero emissions target, you already said yes to CDR, at least to some carbon dioxide removal. So there's also a lot of talk about reaching net zero emissions by 2050. And there's a need to go to net negative emissions in the coming decades. So could you tell us a bit more about that? Since we are likely to overshoot temperature thresholds like 1.5 degrees globally, if we stick to that target, uh, which we should, then we probably have to try to reverse warming. And to reverse warming on a global level, Net zero will not be enough. You need net negative emissions, so more carbon dioxide removal than you have residual emissions left. And that's why we're even talking about net negative. But what is important, and the IPCC report, the last one tried to highlight that, even to reach net zero, you need carbon dioxide removal. If you want to go net negative, you need even more carbon dioxide removal. Now, there's also been a lot of focus on planting trees on a vast scale and restoring ecosystems. And if done right, this can soak up a lot of CO2 from the air and benefit nature. But this is only ever going to be part of the solution. So why is that? So the good thing is it is already part of the solution because we're already doing that on a large scale, thinking of practices like afforestation or reforestation. Of course, they are right now overshadowed by deforestation that is still going on. Why it can be only be part of the solution? The reason is that these kind of methods and the way they store CO2 in soils uh, or vegetation is much more vulnerable to reversal of that storage part. So that can be forest fires, pests, but also land use changes. I mean, if you have your CO2 in a forest and you lock the trees down, then your CO2 will be released again. So it can be part of the solution. We already know how to do that. It's relatively cheap. It often has co-benefits for biodiversity when done right. 
But I think that around the globe and in many countries, we will fare better with diverse portfolios of carbon dioxide removal methods that fit international strategies and in regional climates and who have timescales of storage that go more into the thousands of years and not only decades or hundreds of years. We have to look more at the main benefit, the intended main benefit, and that's drawing down CO2 from the atmosphere efficiently, but even more important, to store this CO2 durably, because if it gets re-released pretty soon, then there's not much use of doing carbon dioxide removal. There is a wide range of methods. The IPCC report assesses around, I mean, if you have it in a tree, you can count your trees, you have methods for that. If you store it in soils, it's a little bit harder. There are methods that store CO2 geologically underground. That's quite easy to monitor and measure. So monitoring, reporting, verification is a very hard part. If you just do not emit something, then you know, okay, you have not emitted it. If you draw CO2 down, you somehow need to follow that CO2 and need to have robust methods for that. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. So just returning to the different methods, so you mentioned there are 12 could you give us some, some examples of what you feel are some of the more promising CO2 removal methods out there, apart from planting trees and ecosystem restoration? So, so more of the technology solutions, I guess. I think answering the question of what would be the most promising removal methods is a little bit dependent on what you're looking for and looking for right now. If, as I mentioned, the storage of CO2 is your main concern, then you look for such methods with a very large or long time scale for CO2 storage. That would be methods that include carbon capture and geological storage. You can also do that with direct air capture combined with carbon capture and storage where you just draw the CO2 from ambient air. Uh, enhanced mineral weathering would be another method where the CO2 is stored long term and can even have co-benefits if you bring it out on arable land. There is a biological method I personally find interesting that has very long storage times. It's biochar. We can imagine that you have maybe green waste from cities or residues from, from forestry and can bring it into a stable form, a little bit like charcoal. The, the process is, is called pyrolysis, and it would also be good for your soil quality, but would be stable for hundreds of years. So it's a little bit also dependent on your national strategy, also dependent on the co-benefits you're looking for, because if you do ecosystem restoration, of course, it's better for biodiversity, but you need to invest more in the protection of the sites where you did ecosystem restoration. So could you tell us a little bit more about the, the costs for CO2 removal? Because some of the technology can be quite expensive, ranging from, say, $200 a ton all the way up to maybe $1,800 a ton. So how, how are these sort of costs going to be reduced? So first of all, I would say with the biological methods, so, so starting from, from reforestation or, or soil carbon sequestration, you can have very low costs, below $50 per, per ton removed. But if you go into new and technological options like direct air capture with carbon storage, yeah, you at least have 
have to calculate with several hundred dollars per ton right now. So the more deployment, the more experience and steeper learning curves, economies of scale, and yeah, hopefully similar to what we saw with solar PV and wind. So if you say direct air capture with carbon storage, maybe now around $500 for a ton removed, it will go down, but nobody can say how far. And it really depends how many of these machines or containers we will have. And here, probably the biggest constraint is low carbon energy, because if you don't do direct air capture with carbon storage on low carbon energy, then it doesn't make much sense. Also for direct air capture, there is that interesting fact that you have two use cases, basically. You can store the carbon underground, then you have carbon dioxide removal. You can use the CO2 as well for producing synthetic fuels, let's say for low carbon or zero carbon aviation fuels. They would go back into the atmosphere pretty soon. I mean, once the synthetic fuel is being burned, but it could help if combined, let's say, with green hydrogen to get to a CO2 neutral aviation fuel. But that could help for, in the case of direct air cap for scaling up production pretty soon, because many countries around the world are either thinking about, let's say, quotas and mandates for sustainable aviation fuels are already decided on them. But so it also depends on political decisions we make on the on the methods that companies choose and that policymakers choose to incentivize. So Oliver, what do you think CO2 removal will look like in the future? I mean, right now we see a lot of countries and governments banking on traditional CO2 removal techniques like reforestation and afforestation. But in the future, do you think we could see more machines sucking up carbon dioxide and have them be as common as windmills? Well, I think we definitely will see more machinery here. I, I don't expect that this machinery will be as large as wind turbines. So probably we're not going to see them in the landscape in the same way. And I think that in many countries, many of these carbon dioxide removal methods will never be tried because just the conditions aren't there. Let's say for enhancement of weathering, it does only make sense with certain types of soils. But yes, the, I think the deployment of carbon dioxide removal beyond the more traditional methods like afforestation and reforestation will become much more familiar, hopefully, but because otherwise we will not be able to reach our climate targets, not globally, and in most cases, also not nationally. So thank you so much for joining us today, Oliver. Thanks for having me. Great. Thank you so much. Well, that's a wrap for Greenhouse, and we hope you enjoyed our discussion. For more on climate change and the environment, do check out our stories in The Straits Times. And don't forget to subscribe to our Greenhouse podcast series on your favourite audio apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.